Thanks for joining us for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, A Yeah But Sermon, from Luke chapter 16, verse 18. Divorce is often a taboo subject in church. One, because it marks a personal failure in a sacred area, and no one wants to be reminded of failure. Two, because the stories of how a couple came to divorce is deeply personal and often uniquely specific. So how can we lump everyone in to the same category? Yet, Jesus doesn't divert from difficult topics. He addresses it in a straightforward manner. Here's Pastor Tim. My first question concerns the question of disillusion. We want to ask about disillusion. We want to ask questions like, what is it that dissolves? marriage, if the promises are broken, if the vows are no longer there, what can hold a marriage together? Can it be held together? Should it be held together? In this day that we live in, one of the worst enemies, one of the worst weapons maybe, that we have against our families and against our nation is no-fault divorces. We live in a day today where just simply for a matter of dollars, and it's no small amount, but for just a matter of dollars, you can go and have undone, so to speak. That marriage contract, I'm trying to be careful with my words, because the disillusion of a marriage covenant really only comes one way. Now, I know you can go get a no-fault divorce, or you can go through the older channels. In the state of Georgia or the state of Alabama, or whatever state that you're in, declare that marriage over, dissolved. But when I begin to look through the Scriptures, when I begin to look through Luke, and when I begin to look through Malachi, I don't see that God views it the same way the governor does. I don't see that our Bible says it exactly the way that our Constitution does. You see, 
when God hears your vows, and you make that covenant before the Lord, no matter what you put down as your reason for divorce, is not a good enough reason in the sight of God. You say, well, Tim, doesn't the Bible say that it's okay? All right, we're going to come back to Malachi again. I hope you used all your fingers today to hold your place. Hold your place here too. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, the Pharisees are dealing with Jesus concerning this very same issue. And they're asking the very same question that we're asking. When does the marriage dissolve? What dissolves it? And so if you're there in Matthew chapter 19 and you look at verse number 3, you find that the Pharisees are the first to speak. The Pharisees come to Jesus. Don't miss this. (laughs) They're testing Him. They're testing Him. They're trying to trap Him in His words. For some of you who listen to this, these are genuine questions that you have. This is not a genuine question for the Pharisees. It's not a question that they're looking for an answer to. It's a question that they're looking for a trap. Okay? So they're testing him, but they say to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason. Your translation may say, for any just reason. And boy, that's, that, that, that's two separate questions, isn't it? But in reality, the word just isn't in there at all. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Listen to Jesus' answer. He answered and said to them, Have you not read that He who made them at the beginning made them male and female? He's going back to the origin. Just like we did. He wants them to lay the foundation that's proper. This is the origin of marriage. God made them male and female. And said to them, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. You would think that that was the end of the question. That that Jesus had simply shut down their trap. But there's another layer. There's another lever to pull. And it's what they do in verse number 7. So they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Moses did say that. Moses did allow that. Now, you're going to see a little bit of a difference in just a moment by what Jesus says. Jesus is going to say that Moses permitted it. They said Moses commanded it. Listen, if Moses commanded it, then no marriage is safe. No marriage lasts. You are commanded to give 
the writ of divorce. It's not a commandment, but it was a permission. It's a permission that many of them struggled with, including Jesus' own earthly parents. You remember when Joseph got the word that Mary was pregnant? There's one thing he knew. He knew who the daddy wasn't, right? And the Bible says that he thought about giving her this same writ of divorce that the Pharisees are talking about in this word and put her away quietly, silently, so that there is no condemnation that's going to come back to him. That's the way people want it, don't they? I just want to sign a paper. And I want it to just all go away. If that's something that you contemplate today, would you hear from the lives of so many others who've been all the way through that door? It doesn't go away, does it? There's a part of you that's become a part of that. You never really get away. You think it's the doorway or the pathway to freedom. And it's one more loophole that seems to catch you every time you turn around. All right? Didn't Moses say? They're asking Jesus this question. Didn't Moses say it was okay? You just give them the divorce and let them go? Jesus said this. Moses... Because of the hardness of your hearts. That's the key, isn't it? The key is the idea that this is a hard-hearted decision. This is a decision sometimes that becomes wrapped only in the idea of happiness. The only way that I can be happy... Is to get out of where I am. I find that happiness to be so elusive. But it is the pursuit that becomes problematic. If we would be far more concerned about holiness than happiness, we would be a whole lot holier and a whole lot happier. Jesus said, it's because of the hardness of your hearts. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But look at this. But from the beginning, it was not so. It wasn't so. If you're still there in Malachi chapter 2, do you notice how verse 16 begins? For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Why? Why, why? why does God hate it so? One reason why he hates it is because of what it puts his children through. He doesn't want you to go through that heartache. He doesn't want you to go through that hurt. No loving parent, no loving God would want you to. Think about this for just a moment. 
when Jesus was ready to describe what the relationship with him is like, when Paul describes this relationship between Christ and his church, what picture does he use? He uses marriage. Your marriage is a reflection, is a picture, an illustration of what the relationship is and ought to be with Jesus and His people. When you give your heart to Jesus, He is yours and you're His. And there's never a time when that's ever torn asunder, is it? Jesus says, you're in the Father's hand. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. If your marriage is a picture of His relationship with you, He doesn't want your marriage broken any more than He wants the relationship between you to be broken. As hard as that is, it is that hard on the Lord. So what does dissolve it? Go with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 7. Whoops. I guess if I got to Romans chapter 7, I could read it easier. (laughs) Romans chapter 7. Let's begin in verse number 2. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. That's what Jesus was saying in Luke 16. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. What did you say in those vows? You probably said something about sickness and health. You probably said something about richer or poorer. You probably said something about the circumstances that you might go through. You made those vows regardless of what circumstances might come. In all likelihood, you finished it by saying, Till death do us part. That's the goal. That's the ideal, isn't it? If there's something that God wants for you out of your marriage, it's that. That you would honor Him and that you would exalt Him. That you would live as He would have you to live. I don't do everything right. Outside outside of this, even. And just day-to-day living. 
There are things that God says, Tim, you shouldn't do that, and I'd do it anyway. There are things that God says, Tim, you need to do this, and I don't do it. It's as much a sin, as much a hurtful thing towards God than anything that we've even talked about today. So how do you go on in your life when you know, you know that you have failed the Lord? What do you do? You know what you do. You genuinely say that you're sorry. You know it. I mean, you acknowledge it. You recognize that what you have done is wrong. And you ask for forgiveness. And you're restored and reinstated. And you move forward. Let me hit a couple of these things really quick just because time, just because of time. Sometimes in Baptist churches, we treat divorce and remarriage as if it's the unpardonable sin. And it's not. The biggest problem, the biggest issue is that many people don't come around to even seeing it as a sin, they don't see the problem. Oh, I mean, it's, I was going to say it's in black and white on your paper, but it's probably in red and white on your paper. And yet we just miss that part. It's hard to be right if you don't start right unless you start over. So you come to a point of saying, God, I can't unring a bell. I can't go back and undo what I've done. But I can move forward, forgiven, and in holiness, and in a marriage that I am determined is not going to end the way the other one did. By the power of the Spirit of God, you can do that. Let me talk to those of you who aren't at that point yet. Maybe you're young in your marriage. Maybe it's just a trying time in marriage. Take the D word off the table. Go back to your vows. I guarantee you that if you will begin to treat her men like you said that you were going to, things would look a whole lot different at home. Ladies, if you go back to those vows and you begin to live under them, things are a whole lot different at home. There's nothing so broken that God can't fix. Let me say one more word to one more group of people. 
the ones for whom my heart break more than anybody else. It's the children of those whose parents are divorced. The idea that a young boy and a young girl gets about who God is comes first from their dad. If their dad is absent, guess what they begin to believe about God? If their dad breaks his promises, guess what they begin to believe about God? If they can't count on their dad anymore, guess what they begin to believe about God? You're saying, Tim, are you saying then that we ought to stay together for the sake of our children? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I'm saying it because that's what I think. You're still there in Malachi. You still got all your fingers full of Bible verses. Flip back to that one for a moment. Remember he started off that question, why did he make them one? Now your translation may be a little bit different at this point because this is one of the hardest verses in all of the Old Testament to translate. New King James reads this way. But did he not make them one having a remnant of the Spirit? And then he asked this question. And why one? Why did God take two people and make them one flesh? Why? He seeks godly offspring. He wants you to raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Men, in a day like no other, your boys need to know what it's like to be a man. What it's like to keep His Word. What it's like to be responsible. Dad's the very best thing that you can do for your boys is to love their mom. Ladies, she's going to be like you. She's going to think like you. She's going to look for love like you. If you looked for love in all the wrong places, she's going to look for it in all the wrong places. Teacher, teach her to love God first. Teach her to love her husband second. Teacher. If you are in a situation where there is abuse, let me say this to you clearly today. Get out. Get out. Get out and get safe. And if you got children, take them with you. There's some other issues there that need to be dealt with, isn't it? A church is only as strong 
as its families. A nation is only as strong as its churches. If you want to build a better America, it doesn't begin at the White House. It begins at your house. Let's take care of business. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Boy, I know this has been difficult. Would you simply take time to interact with the Lord? Maybe you go right back to that verse and say, God, this is what your word says. Now what do I do? If the whole thing is built on your relationship with Christ, there's some of you that need to begin a relationship with Christ. Who did you give your hearts to Jesus? You can't give your heart to another man or another woman until you've really given your heart to Jesus. Start there today. Be saved and know that you know that you are. Maybe you're one of those who are so blessed in here today. Your relationship with the Lord is good and intact. Your relationship at home is good and intact with your spouse and with your children, with your grandchildren. There's somebody then who needs your prayers. Who needs your example? Would you ask God to use you that way? Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love me. That you love every person that's in this room. That you want a relationship with them. And you want what is best for them. I also know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that happens under the authority of your word. Give us a spirit that is yielded to you and to what you say. Guide us today. Guard us today. Help us to be good witnesses of your grace today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you will. If I can help you, if I can pray with you, I want to. If you want to come to the altar, come. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. On a sermon like that, I ain't coming down front. (laughs) Listen, truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter what any other person in this room thinks. It only matters what God thinks. If you need to do some business with Him, don't let anything stand in your way. Just do it. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road.